0: Gospel of John, we've been in that for the last uh, 18 weeks, because this is John 18 that we'll be looking at. So turn your Bibles to John 18, and there is so much here, it's a drama-filled passage that I want to walk you through just some of the highlights before we jump into the text we'll be looking at today. John 18 is where Judas, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, betrays Jesus, turns him in, Obviously, he he gets arrested and then crucified in the next couple of chapters. We also read that one of his closest friends and disciples, Peter, denies him not once, not twice, but three times. He doesn't just deny Jesus. He says, I never knew him. I never had a relationship with him. He turned his back on him. And we'll see the rest of that story in John 21. Then Jesus has to go through six different hearings in order to see what to do with this Jesus guy. Three from the Roman government, three from the Jewish government, and in one of those hearings, he comes up to a man named Pilate, Pontius Pilate. Pilate is the governor, a Roman governor in Judea, and he's trying to figure out what is he supposed to do with this Jesus guy. Now, His conscience is seared with who Jesus is. He knows deep within himself that Jesus probably is who he says he is. But he has all of this peer pressure that's on top of him. He knows if he were to do anything positive here, his political career would be ruined. And so he ends up turning his back on Jesus as well, eventually. But in the conversation that they have in John 18, we read... A fascinating question that Pilate asks. Let me turn with you to John 18. Let's see here. Is it clicking here for me? Maybe. Let me go back. There we go. Thank you. John 18, 36 through 37. It says this Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were my followers, if it were my followers, would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, So you're king. Jesus responded, You say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. Pilate asked, What is truth? When he went out again to the people and told them, he is not guilty of any of his crime, but you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release the king of the Jews? But they shouted back, no, not this man. We want Barabbas, for Barabbas was a revolutionary. Here's this conversation back and forth with Pilate and Jesus. All of a sudden, Pilate says, so you're king? And Jesus says, look, I've come to testify about the truth. And after he says that, Pilate asks an important question, a question that I want to ask with you today. What is truth? It's a question that we've asked from the beginning of time. It's the most important question that you and I can answer because once we figure out what truth is, then we can build our life on it, and our life will mean something. It will matter. It will have meaning and purpose because we're living for the right thing, the truthful thing. What? is truth. What's so interesting, Jesus says that he has come to testify of what is true, and then Pilate asks the question, what is truth? You would think, man, Pilate is being so sincere, he wants to know the answer to the question. But he kind of says it in a snarky way, like, what is truth? And then did you notice right after that, Instead of seeking that out more, trying to figure out is what Jesus is saying true, he moves on to who should we release? What prisoner should we release? He inquires no more about if Jesus is the truth or not. Why? Why even ask the question at all? D.A. Carson wrote an incredible commentary on John, and he says it this way, and I think he's completely right here. Diet Carson says, either he, Pilate, is convinced there is no answer to truth, or more likely, because he does not want to hear it. It's as if Jesus, who's standing there, is speaking the truth, and Pilate knows what this guy is saying is true. It goes against everything I've always believed, I know that if I were to accept this to be true, I would lose my friends, I would lose my family, I would lose my political career. I know this is probably true, but because I'm afraid of that truth, because I don't want to lose credibility, I don't want to lose my political career, he inquires nothing else about the truth. And it made me think about my own life, and I can do that as well. There are things that are truths that I don't like. I know they're truths, but I would rather not obey by those truths because it affects me or makes me feel bad or I don't like the outcome. For instance, if I'm going down a road that's 45 miles per hour, that's the truth, the speed limit, and a police officer pulls me over and I was going 70, and he says, I want you to tell you that this was 45 and you were going 70 and 45, and I looked at him and said, that is not the truth. And he would say, well, sir, I don't care if you don't think it's the truth. You don't feel good about it. You're not going to like the outcome as he's writing me a ticket. The truth is it was 45 miles per hour. You went 70, and there is a penalty because of that. Just because I don't want the truth to be truth doesn't mean it's not truth. Do you know how many times my wife speaks truth to me, and I don't like what she has to say? Do you know how many times she has told me that I am wrong when I think I am right or when I am right and she thinks I am wrong? So often, she's always right. And I'm not just saying that. She truly is always right. But I don't like the truth that comes out of her mouth most of the time. In fact, I usually do the opposite and that gets me into more trouble. (laughs) None of us like the outcome oftentimes of the truth that is spoken to us, the truth that we incur on a daily basis. But truth is truth Whether we like it or not, truth doesn't have feelings. It is what it is. Paul Copen wrote a great book called, uh, let me think about it, what was it? Uh, True for You but Not True for Me, and he says it this way. Truth is true even if no one knows it. Truth is true even if no one admits it. Truth is true even if no one agrees with what it is. Truth is true even if no one follows it. Truth is truth. It doesn't matter how we feel about it. It doesn't matter if we agree with it. It doesn't matter if we like it. When there is truth, there is truth. Pilate doesn't want to know the true answer because obviously it has an incredible outcome on his life, a negative outcome. Even though it's true, he turns his back on the truth because he would rather be accepted by people, have a political career, do all the things he wants, except truly understand and embrace that truth. And we can do that as well. You see, a lot of people say we're in a post-truth culture, and I completely disagree with you. If you've ever said we're in a post-truth culture, you're wrong, because we are not in a post-truth culture. We have always been a post-truth culture. We've always been a post-truth world. You see, in the beginning, God created the world. We read in Genesis one and two that He spoke the truth, and out of that came creation. He was true; everything He said was true. Everything He created was true. It was good. It was perfect. Everything was great. And then humans came on the scene, and He created humans. Everything about them was true, whole, intact. And then, then God started to tell them to do some stuff. Hey, do this. Don't do this. And in that moment, in that moment, humanity said, it may be true, but it's not true for me. (laughs) God, what you're saying is true. That's great. But I don't want to follow that truth. I want to create my own truth. I want to go down my own path. And then from that moment on, for the rest of history, we have been living in a post-truth world. It just looks differently now. If you go back centuries, everybody has said, no, nah, I don't want God. I don't want the source of truth. I want to live my own truth. And it just comes out differently depending on what era and what culture you're from. Right now, it has exploded, and everything looks differently, and it's always in our face because of social media. But it's just a different facet of the same diamond that we've seen from the beginning of time. God said there's truth. We said, no, thank you. We will live a different life from that truth. And that's why we get into the mess that we're in today. The Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter one, writes about how humans, from the beginning of time, every human, no matter who they are, does something with this truth. They suppress the truth, they push it down. And he writes this in Romans one, and I went to look at Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of that in the message, and it was so Convicting. So in your face. I was like, I'll show the chapel. So, here's what Paul says through Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of what has happened to truth. What happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but they didn't want to treat him like God, refusing to worship him. They trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. They traded the glory of God, who holds the whole world in his hands, for cheap figurines you can buy at any roadside stand. So God said, in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you get. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. And then all hell broke loose. They kept inventing new ways of wrecking lives. They knew perfectly well they were spitting in God's face and they didn't care. And worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. Is that not our culture? Not just our culture. Don't look at it through the lens of 2023 All the way back in time, we have chosen to spit in God's face. We have chosen our own path. We have chosen alternative path to walking down the truth because we think we know the truth. Because it's true for me. And therefore, because it's true for me, I don't care what you have to say, God. I'm going to do what I want. The problem with that is, look what happens in our lives. Anytime. Anytime I disregard truth in my life, especially when it doesn't feel good, when I disregard truth, it leads me to a path that ends up ruining my life in some ways. Sometimes it's small, but there have been times that my life is in a terrible position because I rejected the truth that I so willingly knew was true. Pilate was asked the question, what is true? He knew in that moment what truth was, but he suppressed it in favor of something else because he's human and all humans have been doing that since the beginning of time and they've done it up until now. Jesus knew this. Jesus knew they forsake the, we've forsaken the truth. He knew it. He let us loose, but he also knew that if we didn't do something about this, we will continue to make a mess of our lives, and we had no promise, no guarantee of an afterlife with him. He knew that we would be a wreck without the truth, and so instead of standing back in heaven and saying, you guys figure out, he leaves heaven to come to this earth to say, let me show you face to face what truth means really is. Let me come back to you right now so that hopefully you'll come back to me, and you will live in this truth, and that truth will set you free. John, when he wrote the gospel, was so committed to the word truth, he included it 25 times in his gospel to show people what truth really is. In 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which John wrote, 20 times he uses the word truth. Over 45 times in a gospel in three letters to say, look, here is the truth. You don't have to believe that it's the truth. You have your own choice when it comes to accepting the truth. You can continue to suppress the truth. God will allow you to live any way you want, but Here is the truth. And if you accept this truth, look out. Your life, the life you've always wanted, the life that you've been promised by God, will be the life that you can live. And all throughout John, from the beginning all the way through, John is on a quest to prove that Jesus is the truth. For instance, we read in John 1.14, And the word became flesh, Dwelt among us. We've seen his glory. Glory as of o- the only Son from the Father, full of grace, truth. When John is writing the Gospel of John in the beginning, he refers to Jesus as the Logos. Greek philosophers use that word to say there's a mind or a being behind all things that allows things to have logic to make sense. John says this isn't just some spiritual being out there, some unknowable God out there. Our Logos, our reality has a belly button. And his name is Jesus. And this Jesus was born and he was all God and all man and he was full of all grace and all truth. Not 50-50, not 93-7, 100 and 100 to the fullest measure. If you wanna know about the grace of Jesus, Read the Gospels, the way he includes the excluded, the way he loves the unlovable, those pushed aside in society, he includes those who ripped people off, those who were prostitutes, those who wanted nothing to do with God. God showed them the kind of love that revolutionized their lives. But he wasn't someone who was soft on the truth. He loved people, but he was truthful. He said, look, if this is what you want, you got to leave the old stuff behind and follow me. He taught the truth. He was the example of the truth and then died as the substitute of truth. Full of grace, full of truth. John eight thirty one. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says, look, what I have to say is so true that if you believe it and accept it and build your life upon it, you be set free. Free from what? I think there's a lot of ways we can go with this, but I want to bring it up to our culture and address the freedom that I think Jesus wants to give us to free us from the culture's mantra. And if I had to summarize our culture in one sentence, you may have a different sentence than me, but for me, it would be this. Follow your heart. You've probably said it. I've probably said it. It It's pervasive in all that we do. Follow your heart. You want to make a different choice? It hurts other people, but it feels good for you? Follow your heart. If you want to be happy and you think this thing will make you happy, do it. Follow your heart. You know within what's going to complete you, what's going to make you happy, what's going to make you feel good, so go after it. And so we do. We follow our hearts. We go after things like money, sex, some of the opposite sex. We go after things like success. We want control of people. We're obsessed with the mirror. We can't get off of our phones. The things in life where our hearts say, go after it because you will be happy. It will give you everything you want. And all the things that I said actually are good things. But when it crosses the threshold of good, I would like to have it, to I need it in order to be happy, because that's where my heart says I will be happy and I have to follow it wherever I go, then all of a sudden you realize I finally have it, but it's not giving me what I want. And then you have to go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You know what we call that? Addiction. Addiction is that doesn't work, so it's gotta get more and more and more and more. I just watched the Netflix show, Painkiller. They, they promoted the drug, so you had to give more and more and more and more to ruin their lives and their families' lives. Tim Keller puts it this way. If we look to something to give us the meaning and happiness that only God himself can give, it will eventually fail, deliver, and break our hearts. Some of us in this room have a broken heart and we don't even know it because we're living the truth that we should just follow our hearts because whatever we want, we should get and it's gonna make me happy. You live your whole life like that, I promise you, you go to your deathbed not happy. Jesus says, "Let me free you by the truth that I will be your happiness, I will never fail you. Come to me, follow me, and I will give you everything to your heart's content and more. He'll give you the cake, and I'll also give you the frosting on top of it and the cherry on top of that, and everything else you want because you have Him." He says this in John 14:6, "I am the way." The truth and the life, no one can come to the Father except through me, an exclusive claim of truth. I uh, had the privilege and honor of sitting with people as they're about to take their last breath. So often I've held their hand and watched them take that next step into eternity. Being with families, it's such a hard thing, but such an honorable thing. And when I go into those situations, I want to bring them hope. You think it's really hopeful to sit with someone who's facing eternity and to say to them, listen, follow your heart. What's true for you may not be true for me, but believe whatever you want to believe. That is baseless and it's hopeless. You don't have to believe in Jesus. but what do you believe that is so concrete in truth that when you die, you don't. But you live. Jesus says, "I'm the way, the truth and the life." An exclusive claim, I'm the way to God, but with an inclusive invitation, all are welcome. All are welcome to know this truth. What is truth? It's interesting when Jesus and Pilate are talking, Pilate asks the question, probably knowing the answer. We don't know that for sure. We think he probably knew the answer but didn't want to accept the truth because it was not the truth that he always knew and it would have consequences after his life. But... The question that he asks, what is truth, is still true today. And what's interesting is not only does Pilate not inquire more, did you notice that Jesus doesn't answer it? Like, you would think when he asks that question and, and he goes on to talk about the prisoner they're about to release, you would think Jesus, would like, hold on a second, you just asked the question, let me tell you what truth is. And he just goes on and on and on about the truth. You would think, he would try to force Pilate to believe this truth because it's so important. He doesn't. Why? Why? Because he doesn't need to say anything. Pilate's question is answered. Leon Morris, who wrote a commentary in John, puts it this way. If you want to know the answer to the question, keep reading. Truth was Jesus was arrested, crucified for our sins, and rose again three days later. John says, this is truth. Jesus didn't have to answer it. He just lived it out. He will not force you to believe it. You can follow your heart all you want because God has given you the freedom to do that. But, when you ask the question, what is truth? Don't do what Pilate did and either suppress it or act like it's not truth. Do your homework and find out what truth really is. And don't turn your back on it because of anything else. Turn towards it and build your life on it so you have integrity and wholeness because that's what a life built on truth will give you. To those who don't know truth yet, in John, he invites you to. But all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. If you have been saying, I don't really know if Jesus is the truth, and maybe today you finally figured it out, come talk to me. I want to tell you what truth is, and not just what it is intellectually or emotionally, but how you can build your life on that so you can have all that God wants for you. He will release you from prison today so you can live life and life to the full. To those of you who are like, hey, this is a great minder. I I believe the truth of God. Well, John, in his letter, in third John, says, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. The joy that it brought John, the joy that it brings Jesus. In a culture where people don't accept the Bible like they used to and don't believe in God like they used to, when you stand firm in truth, you may lose everything, but you gain everything. I would rather lose everything but have truth than disregard truth and have everything. Keep following the truth. Now, some of us are really good at believing the truth, and living in that truth, and reading about that truth, and hanging out with other people that believe that truth. Great. But we do a really bad job of being a billboard for that truth. Because people will look at you and me to see what is truth. Yeah, they're going to look at the Bible, but they're going to look at you first. Let me finish with this. Paul after talking about unity, after talking about what the church should be like and look like, he puts it this way. Then, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. He's like, look, when you're rooted in Christ, you're unified, you're going to hear these crazy things, you're going to see crazy things, but you're going to stay rooted in the Bible, rooted in Jesus. Praise God. But then he says this, instead we will speak the truth in love, grow in every way more and more like Christ, who is head of his body, the church. If you speak the truth without love, you are a jerk, and it does not represent Jesus. You can talk about Jesus all you want. People won't see him. Jesus was full of truth and grace. When you speak the truth, you speak so in love, you be patient with that person. It is not on you to force them into the kingdom of heaven. It is your opportunity to share with them and listen to them and help them. Do so with love, the kind of love that you and I would want to have given to us. So, what is truth? I'll let you decide. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for your truth, I'm so grateful that your truth sets us free gives us eternal life, gives us this relationship with you here. I pray for those who may not know the truth or have believed this cultural lie that truth is just whatever I want to believe or whatever I want to follow to make me happy. God, bring them to you so they can see and know the truth. And Lord, when people look at our lives, may it be a billboard of love and truth that represents you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks.